Looking forward to a very interesting year. I know we've got plenty of elections, uh, lots of sentiment and rhetoric around interest rates and inflation, mm. and all of that ultimately will have a ripple effect on what we see on the uh, equities front. But I can imagine when you sit back and just take a look at 2023, perhaps before we do get into these stocks, you know, what would you say were some of the main characteristics that uh, um, played out in the investment landscape? So, I mean, today was quite a, a negative day across the board. We saw continued selling pressure across the market. You know, the, the JSC posting a sixth decline in seven sessions. The old share, for instance, is down 4.3% month-to-date, which is also year-to-date. Um, but generally, yeah, we saw broad-based selling, all the major indices ending in the red. Um, the market did manage to close off its worst levels uh, with some buying into the close. But generally, you know, um, global markets are a little bit more playing a wait-and-see game ahead of, you know, key inflation figures out of the U.S. uh, with, you know, markets expecting a a further fall in core inflation there, um, just, you know, in line with the sort of rhetoric from the Fed last month, the decision to put brakes on the interest rate hiking path, you know, which, you know, in turn led to increased expectations for uh, further inflation slow down and larger interest rate cuts going into the rest of this year. Mm, definitely. It is a key theme that we will be monitoring. Uh, and I can imagine mm. that this did have ripple effects on many companies in South Africa as well when we take a look at the stock market performance. The list that we've chosen, or rather the list that we're looking at, uh, has some familiar names that are uh, relatable to us as uh, South African retail investors. And I, I guess let's start with one that was certainly in the news headlines for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Transaction Capital. It lost uh, more than 75% of its value. Yeah, um, and, you know, I think for, for transaction capital, it did see a bit of an uptick in November um, from, you know, they touched just below four rand um, at, at, at their lows. So there was a bit of an uptick at the end of the year, but definitely nothing to offset, as you said, 75% down for the year. Um, that's been quite, uh, uh, taken quite a bit of, uh, of strain. And the biggest pain for them, you know, came very after the very first update that they provided the market in March 2023 the restructure of SA taxi that took the market by surprise because yeah. of, you know, the structural shift in the SA taxi operating environment, which proved that, you know, the SA taxi business just wasn't going to recover to pre COVID levels in the short to medium term. Um, but, but also the, the outlook for we buy cars at the time, well, you know, given the downturn in the used vehicle markets was also a drag for them there. And, you know, also there was, a surprise or other disappointment to the market that turned sentiment around for the stock, some negative speculation about management's share dealings. Uh, that was an interesting one. You know, management had sold a chunk bit of its shares, which ASCO management was, you know, triggered because of funding commitments and nothing necessarily untoward. But I think after, um, you know, the, the Steinhoff debacle, investors are very much on edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even the slightest bit of anything odd or unexpected triggers some sort of PTSD, I think. Um, but yeah, 100%. management spent much of the year communicating its updated outlook, its specific fundamentals, but sentiments, I think, just remain decidedly negative around the name. 
Definitely. Once bitten, twice shy, right? And that's where our anxiety comes from. Interestingly yeah. enough, another retailer, Pick and Pay, also saw a decline in its value and uh, didn't perform too strongly there. Some leadership changes that we witnessed, uh, well aware that they also had to implement a turnaround strategy, which was slightly delayed. Uh, the 57% decline. Sure. Talk us through that. Yeah, quite uh, quite an underperformance across the market, specifically around um, within the food retail space. Spa also lagged, but I mean, they still at least returned a 2% um, positive return, while on the other end of the spectrum, shop price uh, up 24% shot the light out, which was anticipated within the sector. But specifically for pick and pay, you know, the main pressure points, as you mentioned, um, were around as well, around load shedding expenses. The food retail is a very tough uh, uh, business, a tough market, and so they did see heightened competition within this quite uh, constrained uh, operating or economic environment, which meant increased promotional activity for them, which also meant margin pressure over and above the higher costs due to you know diesel spend, uh, the, the higher costs, because of just generally high inflation across the, the, the industry, uh, which couldn't successfully, they couldn't successfully pass it on to consumers. Um, and so they did take a lot of pain uh, um, at the margin there. But also, as you mentioned, the restructuring costs, those were some of the main culprits for, for them. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that they scrapped um, the divi at the interim mark, that was quite disappointing um, and hurt the share price. Um, but it was kind of expected given, you know, the operational loss that they had realized. Mm, Definitely. Let's talk Braid. And this one, uh, top of mind, when you look at the name, might not resonate with many South Africans, but when you look at their underlying assets, uh, the fact that they own uh, uh, the likes of Virgin Active as well, Mm -hmm. uh, and and Premier Foods, or Premier rather, in South Africa, then, you know, it really does uh, um, uh, become quite familiar. Talk to us about their decline in value as well. One would have thought that last year we saw no COVID restrictions. People were back at the gym, uh, what actually led to this decline? Yeah, it was it was quite. Um, I mean, investment companies in general, um, they do generally trade at a very deep discount to their underlying assets. And as you mentioned, some of the assets that you, if you if you just hear the name, you aren't aware of the assets, you wouldn't really um, put that value onto the, that share, but. Definitely, we did see, you know, um, management remaining focused on sort of positioning the remaining portfolio assets, portfolio companies rather for, for exits. The premier public offering was a big one for them, um, but they do have plans to further unbundle their remaining stake in premier shareholders um, and also to publicly list Virgin Active and potentially sell. New Look is also another one of their uh, their big um underlying uh, investment companies, the UK retail business, which I think has been um, the the biggest sticky point for them, um, given the pressure in the retail fundamentals in in UK uh, retail specifically. Mm. So essentially, I think as an investor, you can either, you know, wait for these assets to become available in the market or anticipate that management can get a premium on these assets to justify the holding company costs and the deep discounts that the company trades at. Definitely. Another stock that I want us to talk about, which I might surprise many South Africans, is multi-choice, right? Uh, they spend mm-hmm. quite extensively in terms of a capital rollout on upgrading Showmax, um, uh, its DSTV streaming platforms, and many other avenues that the business has actually grown into. I see their share price decline by at least 30% uh, in the last uh, year. Yeah, um, 
So multi-choice was also an interesting one. You know, they started the year or at least the first quarter of the year quite strong. Um, they had positive numbers for the year end. Uh, the return of big sports was a big supporting um, factor for them. Subscriber growth and activity was particularly strong. Um, you know, just around the CFO or the Rugby World Cup, those are, are, are big, um, uh, big ticket items for them. And so we, we did see some support from that angle. But yes, the share price was hard hit and spent the year just tumbling. And mainly the business is exposed to household consumption fundamentals, right? So with load shedding, with high unemployment, with high cost of living, and which means lower discretionary spending, um, particularly in South Africa, um, it has been a drag on profitability for them. The rest of Africa operations were comparatively better. Um, it's just a better improvement for, for them from the previous year. But again, yeah, I think the, the just the sports is one of the key pillars of multi-choice, along with international and local content, of course. Uh, but, you know, there is some concern around, you know, the Independence Communications Authority attempting to break the sports rights monopoly that uh, multi-choice holds in South Africa. And that could, you know, effectively decouple what has remained a very strong competitive pillar for the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even with the streaming, we're likely to see that whatever disruption there could be over the long term, it's going to be very dependent on how you know broadband infrastructure and the cost of streaming across the continent plays out. As you mentioned, you know they've done quite well in um, sort of future-proofing the business as far as um, the, the deal they sealed with Comcast, NBC Universal early last year to kind of help them, you know, compete with international streaming giants like. Netflix, Disney, Amazon Prime and the likes. Definitely a lot of challenges that are unfolding there, but I, I guess part of the growth uh, journey and trajectory for that particular business. We can't ignore the resource space because typically this is where uh, mining houses get influenced, as we've uh, seen, you know, by the cyclical changes in commodity prices. And I do see mm-hmm. that uh, Impala Platinum is one of those that was impacted by lower PGM metal prices. Yeah, so, I mean, the stock was down about 55% for the year. And exactly, platinum miners in general were downbeat. Uh, Platinum price was down about 13% for the year. And, you know, they, they spent quite a bit of their money buying RBP, uh, RB Platts, rather, Royal Buffer Gang, um, which was a tug of war that they'd been um, with Northam for some time. Um, so profitability in the business did take some strain because, because of pricing fundamentals. They did see lower PGM pricing, lower refined product sales, higher overall inflation, which meant higher costs, which, you know, had a negative impact on earnings performance um, in general during the year uh, and in turn on the share price. Um, And so, you know, as much as we did see, um, you know, the outlook uh, from management um, for being for rising demand for key products during the year or this current year, if that manifests, uh, it would 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 bode well for you know the increased capacity and improved operational stability, which is expected to contribute positively as well. Um, but yeah, again, it, towards year end, they had an incident at the Rustenburg shaft, which unfortunately claimed the lives of 11 employees and um, saw 75 others injured. So that was also another blow for them during the year. Um, you know, following that 
the, the, the acquisition that they arguably paid quite a hefty price for, um, given the sector dynamics um, and the, the subsequent deterioration in the balance sheets um, and just the general severe weakness in PGM prices, which have you know definitely had a, a, a huge knock on them fundamentally. Got you. It's going to be an interesting one, uh, I guess, this year ahead. Uh, so should we still be cautious of some of the dynamics? And I, I do understand it's a diff- very difficult year to read, given the politics uh, and, of course, just uh, even the macroeconomic outlook, where we're still anticipating to get uh, defined cues on, on whether or not inflation will soften. But uh, are there sectors that we should avoid uh, in terms of uh, lessons to learn? Uh, could you please repeat that? I lost you there. Oh, sure. Are there sectors that we should be cautious uh, about as we approach 2024? So I think generally, you know, there is quite a bit of uncertainty going into this year. Um, There has been some towards the end of last year, rather, with the Fed kind of changing its stance and putting the brakes on its um, very steep rate hiking cycle. Um, Some of that exuberance, um, the expectation, as as I mentioned, that, you know, interest rates, um, the interest rate cuts that are coming in the year might, the reaction rather, might have been a little bit overdone because of some of the key risks, as you mentioned, political, but also geopolitical um, tensions that, you know, in the Middle East, between US, China, between Russia, Ukraine, some of those things that are still sort of in, in um, it at play in, in the current year. And so we're likely to see some of those themes continue to play out. Um, I think we're likely to see the interest rate sensitive stocks or sectors benefit quite uh, strongly during this year. Consumer discretionary real estate, the gold stocks, the information technology, uh, those likes are likely to be some of the the winners uh, in this year. But again, I mean, it's it's still quite uncertain out there. Very difficult to tell, right? I wish we had a crystal ball or throw some bones. I don't know. But (laughs) such is the life of investments. You place your bets, you analyze, and we trust professionals like yourselves to actually do it on our behalf uh, in case we we are too anxious. But it's always a pleasure speaking to you, Stembi. I truly appreciate the insight you've given us and uh, I guess some interesting stocks that we'll be looking at differently this time around, Um, just going back to their fundamentals and um, uh, what the projections are uh, for for their valuations going forward. Thank you again for your time. Always great speaking with you, Google. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.